ever find yourself lamenting that your love for God is so small, and you find yourself wondering, how can I grow this love, or how can I establish a flourishing garden of love for my God? Well, welcome to episode 172 of the Ask Spurgeon podcast. I am hoping and trusting that you will find encouragement for this today. I'm Dave Holt and so glad to have you with me. If at the end of this podcast you'd like to be in touch with me, please feel free to do so. You can email me at dave at askspurgeon.com. Now, today's question, Reverend Spurgeon, how can I nurture and nourish my love for God? My friend, love is an exotic. It is not a plant that will nourish naturally in human soil. Love to God is a rich and rare thing. It will die if it were left to be frostbitten by the chilly blasts of our selfishness. And if it received no nourishment but that which can be drawn from the rock of our own hard hearts, it would perish. As love comes from heaven, so it must feed on heavenly bread. It cannot exist in this wilderness unless it is nurtured from above and fed by manna from on high. On what then does love feed? Why? It feeds on love. That which brought it forth becomes its food. We love him because he first loved us. The constant motive and sustaining power of our love to God is his love to us. And here let me remark that there are different kinds of food in this great granary of love. When we are first of all renewed, the only food on which we can live is milk, because we are but babes, and as yet have not strength to feed on the higher truths of God. The first thing, then, that our love feeds upon, when it is but an infant, is a sense of favors received. Ask a young Christian why he loves Christ, and he will tell you, I love Christ because he has bought me with his blood. Why do you love God the Father? I love God the Father because he gave his Son for me. And why do you love God the Spirit? I love him because he has renewed my heart. All that is to say, we love God for what he has given us. Our first love feeds on the simple food of a grateful recollection of mercies received. And Mark, however much we grow in grace, this will always constitute a great part of the food of our love. But when the Christian grows older and has more divine grace, he loves Christ for another reason. He loves Christ because he feels Christ deserves to be loved. I trust I can now say I have in my heart a love to God. The apostles did not merely love Christ because of what he had done for them. You will find in their sonnets and in their letters that their motive of love was that he had communed with them. He had shown them his hands and his side. They had walked with him in the villages. They had lain with him on the beds of spices. They had entered into the mystic circle of communion. They felt that they loved Christ because he was all over glorious and was so divinely fair that if all nations could behold him, surely they would love him too. This, then, is the food of love. But when love grows rich, and it sometimes does, the most loving heart grows cold towards Christ. 
Do you know that the only food that ever suits sick love is the food on which it fed at first? I have heard say by physicians that if a man is sick, there is no place so well adapted for him as the place where he was born. And if love grows sick and cold, there is no place so fit for it to go as to the place where it was born, namely, the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Where was love born? Love was born in the garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus sweat great drops of blood. It was nurtured in Pilate's hall, where Jesus bared his back to the ploughing of the lash and gave his body to be spit upon and scourged. Love was nurtured at the cross, amid the groans of an expiring God, beneath the droppings of his blood. It was there that love was nurtured. Bear me witness, children of God, where did your love spring from, but from the foot of the cross? Did you ever see that sweet flower growing anywhere but at the foot of Calvary? No. It was when you saw love divine, all loves excelling, outdoing itself. It was when you saw love in bondage to itself, dying by its own stroke, laying down its life though it had power to retain it and to take it up again. It was there your love was born, and if you wish your love when it is sick to be recovered, take it to some of those sweet places. Make it sit in the shade of the olive tree, and make it stand on the pavement and gaze while the blood is still gushing down. Take it to the cross and bid it look and see afresh the bleeding lamb. And surely this shall make your love spring from a dwarf into a giant, and this shall fan it from a spark into a flame. And then, when your love is thus recruited, let me bid you give your love full exercise, for it shall then grow. You say, where shall I exercise the contemplation of my love to make it grow? O oh, sacred dove of love, stretch your wings and play the eagle. Let us come, open wide your eyes and look full into the sun's face and soar upward, 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 far above the heights of this world's creation, upwards till you are lost in eternity. Remember that God loved you from before the foundation of the world. Does not this strengthen your love? Ah, what a bracing air is that air of eternity. When I fly into it for a moment and think of the great doctrine of election, of that vast unmeasured love which from the days of old did all the chosen seed embrace, like sheep within the fold, it makes the tears run down my cheeks to think that we should have an interest in that decree and counsel of the Almighty Three, when everyone that would be blood-bought had his name inscribed in God's eternal book. Come, soul, I bid you now exercise your wings a little and see if this does not make you love God. He thought of you before you had a being, when as yet the sun and the moon were not, when the sun, the moon, and the stars slept in the mind of God like unborn forests in an acorn cup, when the old sea was not yet born, long before this infant world lay in its swaddling bands of mist, God had inscribed your name upon the heart and upon the hands of Christ indelibly to remain forever. And does not this make you love God? 
Is not this sweet exercise for your love? We love God because he first loved us, seeing that he loved us before time began and when he dwelt alone in eternity. And when you have soared backward into the past eternity, I have yet another flight for you. Soar back through all your own experience and think of the way whereby the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness. Think how he has fed and clothed you every day, how he has borne with your ill manners, how he has put up with all your murmurings and all your longings after the flesh pots of Egypt, how he has opened the rock to supply you and fed you with manna that came down from heaven. Think of how his grace has been sufficient for you in all your troubles, how his blood has been a pardon to you in all your sins, how his rod and his staff have comforted you. And when you have flown over this sweet field of love, you may fly further on and remember that the oath, the covenant, the blood have something more in them than the past. For though he first loved us, Yet this does not mean that he shall ever cease to love, for he is the Alpha and he shall be the Omega. He is first and he shall be last. And therefore remember, when you shall pass through the valley of the shadow of death, you need fear no evil, for he is with you. When you shall stand in the cold floods of Jordan, you need not fear, for death cannot separate you from his love. And when you shall come into the mysteries of eternity, you need not tremble, for I am persuaded that neither principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And now, soul, is not your love refreshed? Does not this make you love him? Does not a flight over these illimitable plains of the ether of love inflame your heart and compel you to delight yourself in the Lord your God? Here is the food of love. We love him because he first loved us. And because in that first love, there is the pledge and promise that he will love us even to the end. That answer to the question, how can I nurture and nourish my love for God, was provided during a Sunday morning sermon preached on the 19th of December, 1858, titled Love. And I do hope that it has been an encouragement and that it will help you as you meditate on how you might nurture and nourish your love for the ever-deserving God who is ours. Don't forget, if you want to become a subscriber of this podcast, to ensure that you never miss an episode, just click on the subscribe icon on your preferred podcast provider. Until next time, the Lord bless and keep you.